0: The following is a rebroadcast of Studio Tulsa. This program first aired last year. Welcome to Studio Tulsa. I'm Rich Fisher. Route 66 travel is a worldwide phenomenon. People from across Europe, Australia, and the Far East often travel the Mother Road in search of that certain quintessential American experience along with the allure of the open road. Well, my guest today also succumbed to that allure as well, despite not knowing anything about Route 66 while living in his native Kenya. Brennan Matthews was a travel writer writing about travel in Africa and Europe before immigrating to Canada. Once there, he and his family decided they wanted to learn about America. And what better way than to drive Route 66 from Chicago to Santa Monica? And during that two-month road trip, they fell in love with the road and its people. Since that time, they've driven the road many times, finding something new with each journey. And now Matthews is the editor of Route Magazine, a publication devoted to Route 66 as well as classic Americana. He's also written an account of that first trip down Route 66 Miles to Go An African Family in Search of America Along Route 66. It's published by the University of New Mexico Press. In it, he details the people he met, both traveling the road searching for that experience along with his family and those that call the road home. Brennan Matthews is my guest today on Studio Tulsa. Brennan Matthews, welcome to Studio Tulsa. Thanks very much for joining us. It's my pleasure. I know you've been a travel writer for a number of years working out of Africa, your, your home, and uh, now you're uh, living in Canada, but you are uh, the editor of Root, which is an Americana magazine. What was the lure of Route 66 for you?
1: We actually weren't even aware of Route 66 in the beginning. It's a really amazing thing because we stumbled upon Route 66. And then when we started doing research, because we were planning a big road trip to sort of figure out next steps, if you will, when we came over to North America from Kenya a couple of years back, and we weren't really sure what we were going to do. So my wife said, hey, let's do a road trip where US, of course, there's significantly uh, more things to see and do. The history is more, for us anyhow, more fascinating and vibrant and diverse. And I asked, where do you want to go? And she said, I want to drive to LA. I used to live there like 30 years ago and she had never ever seen it. She had actually never been to America outside of New York and so, neither had my son Tembi. And so we started doing research into what route to take and we discovered Route 66. And we were just absolutely taken away by all of the cool things that we discovered and learned about as we did research for that trip. And then from that trip, we did a second trip the next year. And when we are on the road, we spend like two, three months on the road. So we really took our time driving Route 66, both of those trips. And we were so enthusiastic and passionate about that history, about those attractions about those towns and destinations and especially about the people behind it all that we asked ourselves what is needed to really support these people what is needed to really support these towns and these businesses to share this history these stories and yeah Root magazine was born
0: (laughs) it's interesting because as you well know as you travel the road you see people who have become infatuated with it from afar maybe it's from a an old television series or or just Hearing the stories, maybe reading uh, the Grapes of Wrath or whatever that people, in, especially in Europe, are drawn to this road. What is the draw for people who are not American, who haven't come from that history of roadside attractions that have just sort of been an ubiquitous part of your life since you grew up? What, what what do you think that attraction is? I think there's different things.
1: I think some people like the quirky, wacky, unexpected. And those would be your giant whales or your muffler men giants or your neon that, you know, these impossibly brilliant neon signs and standing in front of it at night. while well, the thing is just humming alive. Um, I think others really harken back to a time when life was a bit more simple. And that's really represented for a lot of people, especially as you reference the Western Europeans to a post-World War II. So late 40s, 50s era when they started seeing things like, you know, Happy Days or (laughs) Hopscotch or, you know, uh, diners and food brought right to your car, you know, and by women on roller skates or just when things were less generic, when things were a lot more unique and a lot more interesting. And I think that a lot of Europe has amazing history, but it's just very different history. It's almost, you know, hallowed history where America, the history is still very new. It's a, a, America's turning 250 years old in 2026, and that's quite new for a country. And so the history is so diverse, traveling all the way through Lincoln Country in Illinois, all the way down through the Mojave Desert into California. A trip down Route 66 just not only encompasses a wide variety of culture and diverse history, and of course roadside attractions and historic odd roadside, stopping but you know it you get to embrace people in a spirit if you will of life that is actually quite different all across america whether it's big city chicago or whether it's you know uh, tulsa is a decent sized city but it still feels like that nice hometown the people are friendly it doesn't feel overwhelming it's just a great place all the way through to small town america through texas and and arizona and other places so the diversity that you don't really see I should say the type of diversity that you don't really see in a lot of other places you find along Route 66, especially, I should say, in America, especially along Route 66. And I think that people really get drawn to that.
0: You mentioned America has a young history, but we also have a history of reinventing ourselves constantly. And you can see that along the road. You can see something that once stood there and is abandoned. You can see something that once stood there and has been restored. And then you can see something that's completely new that is sort of banking on that restoration uh, motif, if you will.
1: Yeah, you know what? Um, That's one of the beauties of Route 66. A lot of people look at Route 66 almost like a time capsule, and others look at it almost like they would Cars Land in Disney. (laughs) That's always, you know, I've done the route 10 times now, um, from start to finish. And one thing is for sure, Route 66 is a road of change. Uh, Route 66 is constantly adjusting itself to the time that it's living in, and the realities that really it has to live by. So if you're dealing with a place that we all think, wow, that's historic, isn't this wonderful, but the owner of that old motel, for example, isn't making the profit that he needs to make, but the land itself now in 2022 is worth a lot more money, we may say goodbye to that motel that might be near and dear to to our hearts because Maybe the owner of that hotel wants to sell because he's gonna make more of a profit in 2022. We like to romanticize these things, but Route 66 has always been just a representation of America and what's going on across the country, both culture and economically. And so new businesses come up and historic businesses go down and other things have find a new patron like uh, La Posada over in Winslow, Arizona, that was saved by an amazing couple out of California. Or you'll have somebody buy a historic motel like the wagon wheel Connie Eccles did in Cuba, Missouri, or numerous couples have gone on to own something like the Blue Swallow in Tucumcari. And they will protect it and refurbish it and they'll put their individual special touch on it. And maybe in five years they'll leave and somebody else new, a new caretaker of history of memories, if you will, of Americana will come in. And other things won't necessarily find that love. And so with bad weather or graffiti and vandalism or just with time, they sadly disappear. And we're seeing that a lot in the western side of Route 66. And I think we've seen some of that in Tulsa as well with their different motels that have been on the chopping block as well that might not be up to standard any longer. And they don't have that patron behind them who are looking to really protect them and maintain them. And other people like Pops, for example, over in Oklahoma City (laughs) pop up pop up and um you know a whole new great roadside attraction along route 66 is born so it really is a road of change and as much as we'd love to see it stay the same the reality is unless we're willing to invest our money as individuals or as historical bodies or as a state or as a city or what what have you into preserving and protecting a destination along route 66 there's no guarantee that it's going to stay. And we just have to accept that and realize that it's not a time capsule. It's a great picture of how America once was. It's a great picture of how America still is in some aspects, but it's not a time capsule.
0: Yeah. Now, earlier you mentioned, said, you know, one of the, the amazing things in your trips along Route 66 is all the conversations you get into. And I, I want to imagine during your first trip, that was perhaps maybe taking you aback a little bit. Uh, just the, the, the sheer fact that when you're rolling up at uh, the Muffler Man or the old uh, concrete arch bridge uh, just uh, just over the border in Kansas, uh, that people will just immediately strike up conversations, conversations that can lead anywhere. I mean, it's not just about what you're seeing on the, at that moment or on your travels on Route 66. It's everything from politics to religion to everything in between. What was that experience like? I'm a talker. <laughs> so
1: I'm actually one of those people that love connecting with new people, and I just love hearing their stories, and I just love watching how they're adapting to the culture that they're experiencing at that moment. So along Road 66, especially that first trip, there were two groups of people that actually shocked me more than, than any other, simply because it was new to us culturally ourselves. One was the volunteer culture, because we don't have a lot of that back in Kenya, but you go into museums, you go into Route 66 installations in many towns, especially Illinois or Oklahoma, and you tend to meet a lot of retirees who are spending a couple hours, maybe a couple days a week, volunteering in these museums and in these places, and they love to talk. So you walk through that door and they're like, hello. And they, I mean, like three of them rush over to greet you if if there's three. (laughs) You're their energy for that day. And they're there doing what they're doing because they love the stories behind what they're representing in that destination. And we had never really met a lot of retirees who were busy, who were active doing that type of work in their golden age. And so that was really fascinating for us. And then, The other one are the Europeans or the international travelers. And we met all sorts from Brazil to Italy, you know, couples on their honeymoon, or we met people, I met these two couples at Funks Grove in Illinois, and they were going in to get some maple syrup, but they were in a a very large RV and they were heading down to Mexico for one of them to get new false teeth.
0: (laughs) That's right. I remember that.
1: And I just thought that was the strangest reason you're actually driving Route 66 in an RV all the way from Illinois, heading towards Mexico so you can get some new false teeth. But that was representative of so many of the people that we met along Route 66, whether they were on prison release and they were doing like some work detail, cutting grass, or whether they had just got out of prison and they were at some petrol station waiting for a bus to take them home and um, they had their own story to tell. Or whether they were Australians who, you know, every other word was crikey and they were just (laughs) super excited to be in, let's say, um, Missouri, looking at Gary's gay parita and, and all of the great things that the Turners have done to promote Route 66 and the legacy of Gary Turner and Barbara Turner. And, you know, it was just amazing hearing their story, how all of these people were already enthusiastic and had a Route 66 on their bucket list from all around the world, from Japan, and we didn't even really know anything about this highway. And then they were so enthusiastic about it. And it wasn't like you said, it wasn't even their history, but they embraced it all as something that they thought was the epitome of America. Mm. And that's what America was. It wasn't New York and it wasn't the Grand Canyon. It was that old gas station, or it was that neon, or it was knee-high socks and, you know, the, the sock hop. And, you know, it was just so cool to actually experience that with those people.
0: My guest today is uh, Brendan Matthews. He is the editor of Route, uh, a leading national Route 66 and classic Americana magazine. And he's written about his very first trip all the way down the mother road. Shortly after moving to Canada from his native Kenya, it's titled Miles to Go, an African Family in Search of America Along Route 66. He's our guest today on Studio Tulsa one of the things you did do on that very first journey was take a lot of time on the on the route and i think most people when they're traveling the route and of course with the lure of the interstate is to sort of dip into route 66 and then go back to the interstate and dip back into the the route but trying to drive the route all the way from chicago to santa monica and taking that time what did you learn about the road that you probably might have missed otherwise
1: you know, it's interesting because a lot of people ask the question, is there, is there anything interesting to see in this stretch? So they'll <laughs> write to the magazine and they'll say, oh, I'm driving, I don't know, from Tulsa to Amarillo. Is there anything interesting that I should look for? That's a very interesting question for us because having driven every single mile of the road and having stayed on it the entire trip, that trip and every trip since... At least, where possible without, you know, firing any closings. The answer is yeah, everything. Like, you literally can drive one hour between Tulsa and Oklahoma City, and there's like 15 things to see. Mm-hmm. So, one of the key things that we realized very quickly when driving Route 66 is that there are uh, innumerable, you know, a plethora of things to see constantly. So, you're going to stop potentially especially in the first four states, Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, and Oklahoma, you could literally stop every 15 miles, maybe less, to actually see things and experience things that aren't just, oh, look, another drive by shooting with the camera, but literally worth stopping and absorbing that history and learning more about that story. And so that was really impacting to us because where we come from in Kenya, a road trip really is A to B. So when we would leave Nairobi, and we would drive 500 almost 500 kilometers to get down to Mombasa to, you know the, the ocean the beaches other than stopping for gas and stretch your legs you're not stopping at all like there's nothing to stop for america is a very special country and route 66 is a very special roadway because there are so many reasons to constantly stop we took we took and we generally take around two to three months when we do each of these major Route 66 road trips, which is every year. And no matter how many times I've seen things, I am constantly discovering new things. And I'm constantly, even this summer, as we discover new things, we wonder how the hell did we miss that the last nine times we did this trip? Like, where did this come from? And it's historical. It hasn't. It's not something that just came up. We'll discover lots of those as we do each trip too. But we'll discover all sorts of historical things that for sure were there when we drove by last time but we didn't even notice it. And that was a real eye-opener for me because there's not a lot of places in the world that have that. And I think that that is also something that really resonates with your Australians, your Canadians, your Brits, people who come from road travel culture and countries that are more developed, so they could have more reason to stop and pull over, but they don't. America is a very special country.
0: America is a special country, but we also go from point A to B an awful lot in this country as well, as you well know. Uh, I want to ask about your family, uh, how into it your son uh, Tembi was. You know, I can imagine two or three months on the road, uh, most kids would get real bored with it, but he seemed to be very much into the moment of seeing something new every day.
1: That's a great point, and it is something that's very special about our son We've tried to talk with friends over the years about trying to join us, you know, friends of couple friends, family friends who have children Tenby's age who he's close with, just to try to bring Tenby some company when we're on the road as well, because he would love that. And they all basically say the same thing. They say our kid wouldn't handle six minutes on the road before they'd have a meltdown. And even his friends say, I can't understand how you're not bored out of your mind being with your parents for two and a half months driving on a road trip. And Tenby will tell them, it's amazing you should see all the new things we're seeing hey look at these pictures that i took actually because now he's really into photography and he's just 14 but he started getting into photography when he was around seven uh look at these pictures of these weird ghost towns or these unusual muffler men giants you know look at this this video i shot standing in front of this neon at night listen to this hum this place is 80 years old it's just awesome He'll relay these things, and they're they get kind of glossy-eyed, and they're like, "Oh wow, that's cool." Anyhow, <laughs> but for Tembi, he really still gets very much in it, and it's a highlight of every summer that he that we do uh, these trips. Tembi has been so back home in Kenya. I was editor-in-chief with Destination Magazine, and Destination was a leading continental travel magazine that focused on investigative journalism and travel and celebrity and stuff. And so we traveled a lot as a family back then. So Tembi basically grew up on the road. Tembi's been in hotels. Tembi's been on the road. Tembi's been at uh, fine dining and questionable dining experiences (laughs) in the middle of nowhere um, ever since he was born. Like literally when he was two months old, we were in the middle of the desert somewhere on a road trip um, exploring some far-flung corner of the Maasai land, Maasai country. And so... Tembi has this in his blood, and Route 66 is not the same in any way. And so he will constantly have new stuff to get engulfed by as well. So no, he just loves it. Every year, it's such a highlight for him.
0: In your book, you sort of allude to the fact that not only was Route 66 a transportation artery, oftentimes it was a route of desperation, of of people seeking change. And of course, that's something I'm sure you witnessed over and over again on the route. I remember there's an episode uh, uh, staying in Carthage, Missouri, somebody obviously in a little bit of distress looking for a place to stay tonight and finding uh, that the rate was too high. And uh, you mentioned uh, a group, actually, this was in Oklahoma, near Sare, Oklahoma, The prison releases uh, inmates Mm -hmm. uh, to go on parole or to finish their sentence. They stop at a gas station while they wait for a bus to take them back to wherever they hail from. Uh, so you you saw a lot of stories of desperation of people struggling on the socioeconomic scale along the route. And of course that is a, a big part of the history of the route as well. It is.
1: And it's a big part of the story of America, right? So that's again what I mean when I say it's not a time capsule. It's just a real good example of America in its all of its fullness. You know, you got your fine dining, you got your $5, you know, 50 cent hamburgers. you got your homeless everywhere. you got your people driving around in Mercedes-Benz. You have, there's just so much diversity, but that diversity is really representative of the whole country and what's going on. And so it's impossible when you're really doing a Route 66 journey to not experience America. Well, that's what a lot of us are interested in when we hear people's stories too. You know, we found it fascinating listening to people who had very unique experiences to anything hopefully we'll ever experience, whether it's somebody who um, we ran into a, a lovely young lady whose parents were both severe drug addicts, and so she was raised by her grandmother, and she had a, a really fascinating, heart-moving story to tell. But was even more, what was even more fascinating about her story than just the plight that she went through and her brothers and sisters went through growing up in that type of home was the hope that she had. She wanted to be a nurse. And so she was looking at where she could actually study. She was finishing high school, but she had hope for the future. And when she actually graduated from nursing, her hope was to actually be able to support her siblings who never had the same, the same dreams and ambitions and goals to do something with their lives as she had, but she wanted to be an example for them. That's amazing to us that, that being able to dream and to be able to say, you know what, I've been dealt a bad hand, but I don't have to stay down here just because my life was difficult to start with. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to accomplish something with my life. You've seen that over and over with the people that we spoke with and spent time with along Route 66. And that's a very American spirit. I got knocked down five times, maybe the sixth time. I'm going to get lucky and things are going to be better. I'm going to keep on driving. You know, it's a dust bowl. I've lost everything I own. I've lost a farm that's been in my family for five generations. How devastating is this? But you know what? I'm going to jump in my car. I'm going to put all my family in it. And we're going to go find a better tomorrow. It could be just over the bend. Or I'm going to go pick fruit in order to feed ourselves. But you know what? I'm not going to pick fruit forever. But I'm going to be humble enough to do so to be able to feed my family and then work towards figuring out what's our next step. And so that whole positivity, that whole I'm going to get over this curveball life has thrown me it's not uniquely american but it's intrinsically american the other thing is i have i love sarcastic humor and so i just see the sarcasm i see the humor in all of these things that we encounter as we go and so you know i just really love the fact that there's just so much you know levity that we can bring to these harder conversations that we have with some people where they're able to laugh about things and we're able to laugh with them and say yeah you know that that's crazy like we've seen these hitchhikers and they had a sign and the sign was upside down and they didn't even bother to care that their sign was upside down (laughs) they just looked like they were just totally more concerned about taking a nap on the side of the road than they were about catching a lift somewhere we just found so many small things like that not amusing but humorous in a way of, you know, life is, life's hard. And sometimes you just have to crack a smile and say, wow, isn't that crazy? And just keep going.
0: Well, I know you've driven this route many times now. Give us a couple of locations that you keep coming back to and why they're special to you.
1: If I'm going to do a Route 66 trip, so I'm, you know, I'm going to suggest to people things that they should do. Some of the key places that I would definitely say that they should make sure they hit up are the larger roadside attractions. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma is filled with them. Like Oklahoma is so blessed to have the big blue whale in Katusa. Pops, you know, with its giant 66-foot-high soda bottle and 700 types of soda uh, for sale. Uh, And across the street, the the round barn. Um, There is uh, four miles off of the road, but still in foil, Oklahoma. There's Ed Galloway's Totem Pole Park. Oklahoma has two of the best museums, one in Clinton and one in Elk City. So Oklahoma's just blessed with just a ton of really amazing roadside attractions along Route 66. I would certainly make sure that the historic hotels in the West are part of my itinerary. Could be La Fonda in Santa Fe or La Posada in Winslow, which are both um, ex-Harvey houses, Fred Harvey houses. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the culture, the, the depth of culture, the beauty that they bring and the experience and the history are just phenomenal, not to be missed. Missouri is packed with neon, so I would look at places like the Wagon Wheel Motel in Cuba. I would look at Railhaven in Springfield. I would look at Boots Court in Carthage. Illinois, Illinois from the Gemini giant in Wilmington, <laughs> to the Lauderback Giant in Springfield, to all of the refurbished gas stations like in Dwight or in uh, Mount Olive. They're in Springfield again. Um, Illinois has tons of these refurbished petrol stations and mufflerman giants and diners that I would definitely focus in on seeing. And of course, there's the land of Lincoln. And then, you know, once you get to places like New Mexico and Arizona with the, their wide open terrain and of course the mojave desert the landscapes are breathtaking the driving is a lot more through some of those stretches because they go through reservations or private land so there's not as much to stop for as there would be like i said in the first four states but there's still plenty to stop for but the driving alone i'd throw on a great soundtrack <laughs> and i would just you know soak in the music and let the music accentuate the experience as you travel the land
0: Brennan, thanks very much for joining us
1: Thank you. It's been such a pleasure.
0: Brennan Matthews is the editor of Root, a leading national Route 66 and classic Americana magazine. And he's the author of Miles to Go An African Family in Search of America Along Route 66. It's published by the University of New Mexico Press. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Studio Tulsa for today. Our program is produced and edited by Scott Gregory. The views of our guests and commentators are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of KWGS or its licensee, the University of Tulsa. I'm Rich Fisher. Thanks for listening.